Good morning, church. To all of you here in the worship center, those watching in the live stream, in the gym, and at home, and anyone watching the recording later. And a special welcome to any visitors. We're so glad that you're here. And if you have any questions about our church or want to receive our newsletters or other information, please find me or anyone wearing a lanyard after the service, and we would love uh, to connect with you. My name is Steve Winkle, and I'm the Director of Community Connections and Outreach here. And I'm not usually the Sunday preacher, but I'm honored to fill in for Pastor Brandon this morning while he takes a break in the great Northwest. And whether this is your first Sunday or you have been here for decades, I'm excited to share the first of three World Tour Sundays with you. For the first three Sundays in November, it's an Ivanrest tradition to celebrate our missionaries and other ministries God calls us to do beyond our building, our church version of a world tour. To get us in true world tour mode, and yes, I was a school teacher for more than 25 years, I thought we should take a quiz. And for any kids who did poorly on any quizzes, in school this week, or any older folks whose stomachs still feel a bit ill when hearing the word quiz, I'm pretty sure that your score on this one will be spectacular. And kids, if you get them all right, uh, I think Pastor Brandon should give you two pieces of candy next week rather than the typical one. Adults too. So let's try our missionary who's who quiz. Jared and Susan Bentham and their kids visited last summer and continue to serve faithfully at Nicaragua Christian Academy. Tony and Stacy Meyer also visited last summer and they continue to lead the congregation at Mountain View International Church in Madrid, Spain. We will learn more about the Verhoffs via video and the Shardas live in the next couple of weeks. So today, let's see how well we can identify five other Ivan Rest missionaries. First, she serves as the executive assistant. And just as I'm reading this, I'll just clue you in. Try to make the guess before you see the actual choices, okay? Um, that's, the, that's, the, that's the platinum star beyond the gold, all right? And by the way, if you do get them all right, I believe Barb will be putting stars on your bulletins this week in the office, so feel free uh, to, to stop in. All right, she serves as the executive assistant for the International Association for Refugees and recently traveled with a team that included her daughter to Malawi, Africa, where their family once lived. And your choices are A, January Palm Boss, B, February Palm Boss, <laughs> C, March Palm Boss, and D, April Palm Boss. The correct answer is D. <laughs> Next, their mission is to join with leaders of churches and Christian organizations through networking, teaching, learning, worship, and community so that together they make Christ known throughout Romania. Choices, A, Jan and Steve Corral, B, Jan and Steve Harvey, C, Jan and Steve Winkle, or D, Jan and Steve Mishmerheisen. Correct answer is D. They work in Tokyo, Japan, a prosperous but spiritually dark place where less than 1% of the people follow Jesus. They envision the emergence of a vital and growing church of Jesus Christ there. 
our choices. Ruth and Larry Cufflink, Ruth and Larry Hyperlink, Ruth and Larry Smoky Link, Ruth and Larry Spalink. Correct answer is D for that one. Next, alongside ministry partners, they pastor Tapestry Church in Oakland, California, welcoming people from different cultures, traditions, demographics, and worship styles. As of September 10, they're first-time parents of Micah. Choices, Kyle and Stephanie Pons, B, Kyle and Stephanie Quagmires, C, Kyle and Stephanie Swamps, and D, Kyle and Stephanie Brooks. The correct answer is D for that one. And finally, before we get to our fifth and final missionary in our who's who, please identify whether your ear, nose, or shoulder is most itchy and begin, begin scratching accordingly. Brandon, if you're watching on live stream, this is a great view, I just wanna tell you. So. And maybe you can already guess the final missionary in our list this morning. It's the person scratching your ear, nose, or shoulder. Yes, you are the final missionary in our quiz. And from there, let's turn in our Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter two. I believe it's page 956 in your pew Bible. And that will be our text for the message I have titled Paul's World Tour and Ours. For most of Paul's letters, we get a pretty good idea of his audience by the name of the book. And in this case, the Thessalonians are the roughly 75,000 people, some sources say 30 or 40,000, some up to 200,000. I think 75 to maybe 100,000 is the most accurate. People who live in Thessalonica, a bustling port city that got its name about 350 years before Paul's arrival on his second missionary journey. Thessalonica was the name of Alexander the Great's stepsister, and she married the Macedonian king Cassandar, who in turn named the city after his bride. So for any husbands who still struggle with getting the perfect Christmas or birthday gift for your wife, consider conquering a major city and naming it after her, or maybe not. For world travelers today, Thessalonica, Thessaloniki still exists, uh, the second largest city uh, in Greece behind Athens. First Thessalonians 2. You know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. We had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know, but with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We're not trying to please people, but God, who tests our hearts. You know, we never use flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from people, nor from you or anyone else, even though as apostles of Christ, we could have asserted our authority. Instead, we were like young children among you. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. 
For you know what we dealt with, for you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. For you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of God's church in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. Churches in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. You suffered from your own people, the same things those churches suffered from the Jews, who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and also drove us out. They displease God and are hostile to everyone in their effort to keep us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. In this way, they always heap up their sins to the limit. The wrath of God has come upon them at last. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Before we focus upon a few key verses in the heart of the passage, here are five facts for some context. First, Paul's second missionary journey was about 3,000 miles, roughly half by land and half by sea. You will see a map in a minute, but it's safe to say that Paul covered a massive chunk of his known world in his multiple missionary travels, more than 10,000 miles total for all of his travels. Secondly, this journey with Silas from the beginning, adding Timothy and others along the way, took about three years, a little more then. Paul initially planned to travel with Barnabas, as he had on his first missionary journey, but they disagreed over Mark joining them. So Barnabas set sail for Cyprus with Mark, and Silas joined Paul to begin the second missionary journey on foot. Thirdly, Paul, Silas, and Timothy were in Thessalonica for at least three weeks, possibly up to three months. One commentator says, six months, I think three, four, five, six, somewhere in there is likely. Thessalonica comes up about halfway through the journey in miles, which you'll see in the map, but earlier in time. Verse one of our text notes that they had come directly from Philippi, where in Paul's words, they had suffered and had been treated outrageously. Fourth, they left Thessalonica earlier than planned due to conflict and violence. We learn in Acts that Paul spent three Sabbaths in the synagogue, convincing some Jewish men there of the truth of Jesus, and also gained a strong Gentile following. However, the Jews who rejected the good news of Christ incited a mob and accused Paul and Silas of promoting another king besides Caesar. So that night, they slipped away to Berea. Fifth, Paul likely wrote 1 Thessalonians from Corinth a few months after his hasty departure. Many scholars believe that 1 Thessalonians is the first New Testament book that was written. For sure, it's top three, around 50 AD. Paul sent Timothy back to check on how they were doing, and Timothy reported that they were thriving as a church despite opposition. So Paul writes this letter, and a second one not long after, to, to encourage them and to clarify what he had taught them. For the visual learners among us, the map shows in the lower right, the southeast corner, the beginning and end of the second missionary journey, just north of Jerusalem. Almost opposite that to the northwest is Thessalonica, and a few stops later is Corinth, where they spent roughly 18 months, and it's from here that Paul likely wrote this letter to the Philippians. Now let's focus on verses six through eight of our text. We were not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else. Even though as apostles of Christ, we could have asserted our authority. Instead, we were like young children among you, just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. 
because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. The first key idea is we, as we think more about Paul's world tour and ours. Paul's pride may have gotten the best of him at the outset when he didn't think Mark had what it took to be a traveling evangelist. But he still knew better than to go it alone. So Silas joins him and they pick up Timothy at Lystra. And Priscilla and Aquila later join them for a segment uh, and along the way Paul leans into the generosity of others uh, to bring the message of Jesus. For Paul, ministry was very much a we reality. What about our world tour? My first year out of Calvin College was five or 10 years ago. That was a joke, but if you, if you could pause a little longer next time before <laughs> chuckling, I would appreciate that. I traveled to the Philippines to teach four missionary kids who came to my small home every day for school. South Granville CRC was my sending church, and I still remember receiving a letter from an elderly saint in that church. She said that she had never traveled much, but was grateful that she could help me teach kids on the other side of the world. And for all of my overseas years from then on, I felt like a finger at the end of the arm that sent me. Roughly two-thirds of the almost $100,000 Ivan Rust outreach budget goes to helping our missionaries do what they do. And many of you give beyond the outreach budget. And speaking from experience, when people in ministry do not have to worry about money, and they know that people are praying for them faithfully, they are able to do their work far more effectively. One missionary family we did not mention at the beginning goes to our church. They like to keep a low profile on any sort of media, so because of our recorded messages, let's call them the Applebee's. <laughs> what Mr. and Mrs. Appleby, let's call them Tom and uh, Renew. Um, so Tom and Renew Appleby, what they do is support and encourage and equip and troubleshoot and otherwise intervene in a variety of helpful ways for missionaries all over the world. So we get to help them to help others. Lots of good we there. The Trinity is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, a we so perfect that they are one. And as image bearers of God, we are called to work as one as they do. Many of you have already picked up your Real Change Challenge cup, and more are available in the lobby. Over the next two weeks, please read the challenge squares daily and pray accordingly as you add small amounts of money to the cup. If we all do that, what will be the result? Through Degage Ministries, we will have the privilege of blessing our fellow image bearers of God in a tough life season with thousands of dollars. And similar blessings will happen at Family Network of Wyoming through our Thanksgiving drive and Christmas donations. In a few months, we will host families in our church building again through Family Promise. And we, again, will need at least 75 volunteers to serve them well in Jesus' name. As God calls us, may we be faithful to be his body, the body of Christ, one body with many members.
a single Belgian draft horse, think Clydesdale, can pull roughly 8,000 pounds. Guess how much two of them side by side can pull? Carry the four. More than 20,000 pounds. Way more than double. Why? There's some physics involved, but in the end, a draft horse can harness much more strength when alongside another. And alongside others, so could Paul. And alongside each other, so can we. Second, as Paul recalls his time with the Thessalonians, he uses very personal language, cared for you, loved you, delighted to share with you, our lives as well. In the midst of that very relational language, he makes two comparisons, echoing their very gentle approach. In reference to Silas, Timothy, and himself, he first says, we were like young children among you. Not in any way immature, but simply choosing not to impose their authority as apostles. Then Paul compares his mates and himself to a nursing mother via the Greek word trophos to his original audience, emphasizing their nurturing care. After Jesus washed his disciples' feet, remember what he said to them at the Last Supper? The greatest among you should be like the youngest and the one who rules like the one who serves. Paul was supremely confident in his abilities and knew that his authority came from God. But long before anyone used it as a modern catchphrase, Paul understood that in many contexts, Jesus is better caught than taught. That people won't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So as they spoke truth among the Thessalonians, Paul and his partners genuinely and gently loved and cared for them. A great example for us on our world tour in the 21st century. Remember how Jesus summarized the law? Love God and love your neighbors with all that you are. It's what Paul, Silas, and Timothy were doing among the Thessalonians and what God calls us to do today. A little over two months into our Welcome to the Neighborhood Challenge, four Ivan Rest couples have welcomed their new neighbors with a hospitality bag and some baked goods. Please keep an eye out for those sold signs in your street, on your street, and let me know when you need a welcome bag. Are there leaves we can rake? Some snow we can shovel? Some meals we can deliver to those who live next door or down the street? When someone asked Jesus, who is my neighbor, he answered with the parable of the Good Samaritan, making it clear that we need a big, broad definition of the word neighbor. Tony Campolo loves to tell the story of the time he was wide awake with jet lag in the middle of the night in Honolulu. So he headed for an all-night diner in search of a donut. The same diner, it turns out, that served as a pit stop for the local prostitutes. And Campolo overheard one mention that it was her birthday the next day. After she left, he conspired with the owner of the diner to throw a surprise birthday party, with the owner volunteering to bake the cake while Campolo, Campolo committed himself to the decorations. Word got out. 
So the next night, not only was the diner decorated and the cake baked, but in Campolo's words, it was wall-to-wall prostitutes and me. (laughs) If you have seven and a half minutes this morning, or this afternoon, uh, Google Tony Campolo party with prostitutes, it's brilliant. The 39-year-old birthday girl was deeply touched when she walked in. And later, the owner of the dory asked Campolo what kind of church he belonged to. And Campolo answered, the kind of church that throws birthday parties for prostitutes at 3.30 in the morning. And the owner said, no, you don't. No, you don't. If that kind of church existed, I would go to that kind of church. On Friday, I pulled into Costco, wanting to get my tires rotated. So I went past the garage to check. Doors were closed. So I took a left. Some of you can picture this. Decided to get gas first. And without paying enough attention, I attempted to merge into the gas line. Can you sort of picture this? Um, My slow merge attempt was quickly interpreted as taking cuts. And an angry woman with a vehicle much bigger than mine (laughs) got her bumper in front of mine uh, along with some nonverbal gestures. Why? I usually have a pretty good sense of fare. My daughter who just finished driver's ed will tell you I'm the best driver she knows. That's a high compliment. But I realized uh, that she was right and I was wrong. So as the line in front of us started to move, I waved my apology um, uh, and, uh, and waved her ahead and I was surprised to see her smile and wave at me So with pure Michigan nice, I waved more enthusiastically. (laughs) And she responded more enthusiastically. And so I rolled, I'm gonna say rolled down the window, and some of you know what that means. Um, I put my window down, um, and she put her passenger window down. uh, And I just apologized and said, uh, my route to the gas, I I was wrong, you're right. And, And then she said this, she was, I was not being very Christ-like. Please, you go first. And I assured her that once we got around the corner, I would pick the wrong lane of the eight lanes so she would still get her gas first. Never follow me, I will always um, lead you wrong there. But it turned out that she ended up right behind me. And it turned out that I was actually pumping my gas while she was still waiting. So I clicked it on hold, walked back to her car, and we shared a very fun Jesus conversation. And I told her that her delightful, caring gesture just got her a spot in the Sunday sermon. Uh, (laughs) I know this one hits home for many of us, but does the way you drive communicate care for other drivers? Are we loving neighbors on the road and in parking lots? We need to bring delight care, love, when we walk around in neighborhoods, in restaurants, stores, and everywhere else. Finally, Paul shared the gospel of God with the Thessalonians on his world tour. There were Jews and Gentiles who had converted to Judaism there. So Paul reasoned with them in their synagogue, illustrating how Jesus had fulfilled the prophecies of the Messiah. Some believed and others rebelled. 
But Thessalonica was also home to a variety of pagan gods, so Paul needed to frame the same message differently to the people who knew nothing of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. From there, through the power of the Holy Spirit, the Thessalonian church was planted and grew strong roots, enduring persecution for their beliefs. So how does this apply to our world tour? We don't have time to do justice to this point, but I know many of us feel anxious about sharing our faith because we fear people asking questions that we won't be able to answer. I would love to talk personally about this with uh, any of you. I know that Brandon would too. Nate also has lots of experience with these kinds of conversations. Uh, the Appleby missionaries and others in our congregation, uh, I can point you to as well. For now, I simply want you to know that the Holy Spirit goes before you in any conversation about God. And you might be pleasantly surprised at the wisdom he will provide. And if you ever get stuck on a hard question from an unbeliever, you can honestly respond, that's a really good question. I would love to think more about it. Could we get together later and talk about it more? God has always used imperfect people like us to share his gospel, his good news with others, but he is the one who saves. To close, I simply want to remind you of some very good news. In fact, it's the best news ever. Look at the closing words of verse eight. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Long before Paul wrote these words on behalf of Silas and Timothy to the Thessalonians, our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit loved Paul so much, and Silas and Timothy so much, and all of our missionaries so much, and all of us so much, that as one God, they are delighted to share with us in a variety of ways, not only the gospel of God, but their lives as well. In fact, Jesus Christ, God himself, not only shared his life, but gave his life as the perfect sacrifice in payment for all of our sins, then conquered death, allowing us to be in forever relationship with him. And each and every day as we journey this world tour called life, he is our Emmanuel, God with us. May we love and serve him and those he brings to our paths today and always. Amen. Let's pray. God of wonders, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we give you praise, we give you thanks this morning. Help us, Lord, to be your church, to be faithful lovers of you and of the people whom you bring to our paths. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray, amen.